Hi, welcome to our study of patterns found in God's Word. Today I want to be looking at 1 Corinthians, a really fun and exciting book. First of all, we're going to throw it into the matrix. You need to understand that the matrix is our first overview of the book. Puts everything in its place and we can ask the right questions, love, joy, peace, patience, and so on. But it's only to give us a handle on what the book is. There's different levels as you go down into the book, and what we're finding is there's different um, patterns that are found in the book. And 1 Corinthians has a beautiful pattern that will help you to memorize the entire book, the chapters, and it's just incredible what you'll see by the end of this lesson that we're going to present today. Corinthians is so big that we've also found that not only in the sections of love, joy, peace, we break that whole section down into a matrix. So it's a matrix within a matrix, and it's kind of like Ezekiel talking about wheels within wheels. And so we're not going to be looking at that today. You can take a deeper look at it on your own time. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 8 is the chapter everybody turns to when they have weddings, and we read down through, love is patient, love is kind, is not jealous, does not brag, is not arrogant, you know. And we go through this at all these weddings. This is the definition of agape. But the interesting thing about it is, is the way he's got it laid out. Let me backtrack to here. He's got eight positives concerning love, and then he's got eight negatives. Then when we jump into the text itself, he starts with two positives, comes across with eight negatives, and then six positives. So I have to ask, why has he got this order that he's going down through? Um, there's got to be a reason to the things that are written in the scriptures. There's always purpose in everything that God communicates to us through the word of God. So why is he doing this? Well, if you notice, I put the number system along with this. There are 16 characteristics of love, and there are 16 chapters in 1 Corinthians. So all we're going to do quickly as we go through the book is let's see if these characteristics don't line up with the chapters that he's talking about. And when you see and understand that, then you're going to be able to not only uh, memorize the definition of love, but you're also going to memorize 1 Corinthians. In concept, not word for word. Love is patient, right? 1 Corinthians chapter 1. What's the problem? The problem in chapter 1 is division. I'm a Paul, Paul is Cephas, Christ. Solution. Be made complete, same mind, same judgment. If you're going to help cure the congregation of its division problem, what are you going to need? You're going to need a ton of patience. Patience is what? Long-suffering. It's going to take maybe a year, maybe two years to help heal the divisions that have been created over this period of time. So right off the bat, you've got to be patient. Chapter 2. Now he's talking about the problem here is, Paul says, I didn't come with superior speech or of wisdom. We're seeing in this congregation these divisions are being caused because some people are going after this speaker, some people are going after this speaker. They're being impressed by the way the person is sharing the truth, preaching the gospel. And what does he say? A natural man doesn't accept the things of the Spirit of God. If you're going to be looking at and having a church of fleshly, unspiritual people, it's not going anywhere. Well, what it's going to do is break into small groups and you're going to have division. So you've got to get out of that physical and you've got to get into the spiritual. Kindness is a person who understands I'm not a physical person anymore. I've been saved for good works. I am a spiritual person. 
And when you become the spiritual person of God, the son of God that you are, people will see the kindness in you. And that's what Paul's call, calling them to do. Get into the spiritual, chapter 2. Chapter 3, the problem. There is jealousy and strife. Aren't you walking like mere men the way you approach the gospel? Love is not jealous. Jealous, jealousy is the fear of losing something. We don't own anything. I mean, God can be jealous because he owns everything. And he is a jealous God because he doesn't want to lose us to the worldly, to the physical. We don't own anything. You don't own your wife. You don't own your kids. Everything belongs to God. So get out of this jealousy stuff. And it seems that these different divisions, different groups are based on numbers. You know, we've baptized 20, we've baptized 30. And what's he saying here? I planted Apollos water. God causes the growth. You don't bring people into the body of Christ. You help them to come. But it's God that causes the growth, God that causes the conviction in their hearts once they feed on the word of God. Love is not jealous. Love doesn't brag. And he's saying, it's a small thing that I may be examined by you. So people are in this, because he's got this letter from Chloe, Paul's saying, you know, you guys are putting me down, but I don't really care. What do you have that you did not receive? Why do you boast if you had not received it? They're building themselves up. They're bragging, these guys, about the things they accomplish and putting Paul down. And Paul's saying, I, you know, why do you boast if you had not received it? Love doesn't brag. It's not arrogant. You have become arrogant, he's saying in verse 2, because they've allowed this man to, who sleeps with his father's wife to remain in the congregation instead of disciplining them. And that's what Paul's getting on them about. And, and the, the, the one reason I could figure why they would allow this person to stay in the congregation is if we, if we get rid of him, we're going to lose numbers, and then our group's not going to be bigger than their group. And maybe this guy's a member of my family, and we're not going to let him, we're not going to kick him out of church just because of his sinful practices. We're going to keep him. That's arrogance. That's uppity and, and making your own personal decisions. And what's Paul saying? Celebrate the feast, not with old leaven or with the leaven of malice, wickedness, but with sincerity and truth. Clean out the old leaven and discipline the person or you're practicing arrogance. Love does not act unbecomingly. Here's where he, he talks to them about brother goes to brother and before unbelievers. You're taking each other to court. Why? Why not be wrong? Why not be defrauded? That's unbecomingly of a Christian. Chapter 7, love doesn't seek its own. Here we're talking about what? Marriage. Stop depriving one another except by agreement. The wife doesn't have authority over her own body, and the husband doesn't have authority over his body. This is what you need to understand. You're holding off favors. Why? Just so you get your own way? Love does not seek its own. In chapter 8, love is not provoked. Food will not commend us to God, but take care of this liberty unless it becomes a stumbling block. If food causes my brother to stumble, I will never eat meat again. I will not be provoked, and I will not provoke. Love is not provoked, chapter 8. Chapter 9, doesn't take into a wrong suffered. To those who examine me, and Paul goes down. They've got this list of things, of, of things that they have a problem with Paul. And he's saying, I really don't care about your list. I have become all things to all men so that... I may, by all means, save some. It doesn't matter what you think of me. It matters what the people that I'm reaching out to think of me. And if you've got a list, well, you've got, you're taking into account a wrong suffered.
And Paul says that's not what love's about. So you can see how the chapters are flowing with the characteristics of love. Love doesn't rejoice in unrighteousness. 1 Corinthians 10 is all about the guys that were lost in the wilderness. And he says these are examples for us so that we, could, we would not crave evil things as they also craved. It's an example for not to do what they're doing. What? Rejoicing in unrighteousness. All things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. You've got to be careful of the things that which you do. Yes, the Bible doesn't say you can't do it, but does it enhance or does it help your influence to others for Christ or does it take away your influence? Now, in chapter 11, we do the switch. Now we're going to the six positives, back to the positives. And it's interesting here in chapter 11 to 16, how I see it is he's describing a worship service in each and one of these chapters, and, and, and that's the focus. And here he's got the problem, you know. Uh, when you meet, it's not to eat the Lord's Supper. You've turned it into a feast, a love feast, right? But love rejoices with the truth. Therefore, whoever eats in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of. So you've got to focus on the reason we're getting together is to celebrate. The most important thing in the worship service is to celebrate the Lord's table, the death, burial, the resurrection. We rejoice in that truth. It's not about physical food. The whole Corinthian problem is they're stuck in the physical and they're not running with the spiritual. At the beginning of this chapter, the women are coming to worship services and the argument is, do they have to wear a hat or not? Paul's saying, listen, long hair in a woman is enough. Short hair in a man, that's proper. Nature teaches us that. You want to do anything else, it's beyond the church, right? Because they're lording it over the women that they have to inside the services. So we're in the service. Love rejoices with the truth doesn't make up rules. Love bears all things. Chapter 12 is about the body itself. Varieties of gifts, varieties of ministry, but they all have the same Lord. We're all different parts of the same body, right? And they're all trying to run, I can do this and I can do that. If one member suffers, all suffer. You are of Christ's body and individually members of it. Love bears all things. We put up with things. We, you know, that's why Jesus says we need to love one another because the Christians, the brethren, are the hardest people to love in the world because we come from so many different fields and races and we have different languages. But if we can learn to love one another, bear all things, the world's going to see that and identify that. Love believes all things. Do you believe in everything people are telling you? You need to trust. You need to believe. Paul says, if I don't, if I speak with tongues but do not have love, I've become a noisy gong. You've got to have love as your motivation. And you've got to believe what people tell you. But now faith, hope, and love abide. The greatest of these is love. This is our motivation in this world. To love the brethren, to love the people that are lost in the world, to reach out and to touch people. Love hopes all things. Chapter 14 is how do we organize the worship service. If people are going to speak in tongues, well, only three can do it. And only if they have an interpreter. If you're going to prophesy, well, only three can do it. And, only, and if one stands up, the second one stands up, well, the first one needs to sit down when the second one stands up. You know, And, and I don't want you to be striving to speak in tongues and, and do this and that. I want you to abound for edification. Because that's what we need to do is edify one another. Desire earnestly to prophesy, right? Prophecy 
is not foretelling the future. Prophecy is speaking the word of God and, and, and so that people can understand it. That's what true prophecy is. Love hopes in all things, hope to make other people's lives richer when they come to the worship service, to learn something. And then finally, chapter well, I shouldn't say finally, but in 1 Corinthians 15, love endures all things. This is what I believe to be is the sermon, which fits very nicely. You have to endure an awful lot of sermons because an awful lot of sermons are very painful. But you have to endure. Paul says, if the dead are not raised, let us, you know, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. Um, if there's no such thing as a resurrection, we're wasting our time. But there is. So therefore, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing your toil is not in vain. We will endure because we know the truth that there is life after death. And then finally, chapter 16, love never fails. And what's he talking about? Concerning the collection. Therefore, when I show up, you know, you need to put, a, put aside and save as you prosper. So when I show up, the gift that you've promised for the Jerusalem church will be ready so that I can take it, so that I don't, you don't have to be running around trying to put all that together. Love never fails. If you're going to say something, do something. And that's 1 Corinthians 13. Yeah, it's eight positives and, and eight negatives. But when you really look at what he's talking about, it fits perfectly into the book. So you can either memorize this chart and then see how it applies to the text or just memorize the, what each of the chapters uh, mean and they're talking about. But I find the two of them work together so beautifully. The whole book comes together. You can teach 1 Corinthians, you know, Without memorizing it, you just need to write down all of these and you can just explain each chapter. You can teach the book in, in 15 minutes to help somebody to see how simple the Word of God is. It's not as complicated. because it's And it's not, about the first, it's not about the Corinthian church. It's about you and it's about me. And it's about us understanding what the Bible is trying to say to us. We need to learn to develop love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness. We need to understand what agape is. And as you look at it this way, we're seeing it in context. Each of these are in context in a chapter so we can better understand love and better know how to apply it in our own personal lives. Here's the chart, and this is what I'll leave you with. No, I'll leave you with the Bible code. This is how we break the book down in a numerical form so people can just see it and understand it real quickly. Thank you very much for watching.